open us as we stand before your presence. We thank you so much, Lord. We honor you. Thank you, Lord. Open our hearts to receive. Open our ears to hear. Motivate us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. But when we go forth, we do the word as well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk today about the fact that we have received the atonement. Amen. Yeah, we have received the atonement. And it's so important to understand the foundation of our believing God, you know, because if, if we don't have a firm foundation, our faith is kind of shaky. It'll waver. And, and then we'll be tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of doctrine and so forth and so on. And, and we won't receive anything from God. You know, the Bible says that the man who wavers, they're tossed like you know, somebody in a boat on the sea, like you don't have any stability. And he said, don't let that person think he will get anything from God. Amen. So God wants us to be steadfast and firm in our believing him uh, and not circumstantial and not wishy-washy. It's like if you your children have to have confidence in you at some point or they won't be very stable children. You know, if, if mom and dad aren't real stable or grounded or they let you do this one day and next day they don't let you do it you just don't know where they're coming from uh that builds an instability in the seed you know in 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 the fruit that comes from your life and so god wants us to be stable just like uh, uh he wants us to look at him as stable just like our children would look at us as stable and and if mom and dad are reliable they're faithful when you go to them they say they're going to do it and they follow through on it then that increases a child's confidence in you and stability and so then your child is is more willing to come to you when their time of need and and not hide things from you amen and so it builds a good relationship when we can have that stability and also when we can go to god trusting and believing because he definitely is trustworthy i mean if anybody you can count on anybody's word is god's word and so but we have to believe that and we and it gets tested you know sometimes your confidence in god will be tested by circumstances by situations right all kinds of things will test your confidence in god and 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 god likes it that way because that means we're constantly mindful of him Amen. We don't take anything for granted and we don't allow the enemy to talk us out of our faith in God. So we can stand on the word. We can stand on what God's told us because it's been tested and tried and will be tested and tried again. I mean, every situation we get to is an opportunity to trust God. And so when we trust him, we put our confidence in him, uh, then we can uh, surely say, that he will come to our rescue. The Lord is my helper. Amen. And he will come for me. Uh, so that's where he wants us to live. The reason we can live that way is because of the atonement. Amen. Because we've received it. Now the atonement has been purchased for everybody. The whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to atone for our sins, among other things. Amen. And so that has been granted already to all who believe. But not everybody believes. Amen. So as believers, 
we have to base the foundation of our faith on the finished work we refer to it as of Calvary. And that was the atonement. You've got to believe that your sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for. Amen. Have been paid for. So in Romans chapter 5, we'll read, we'll start in verse 1. It says, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That peace really means... There's nothing more to be done except believe. Amen. When you have peace, that means that you don't owe God anything but love and confidence in him. So God will grant peace to us once we receive the remission of our sins. We understand that we are forgiven. We understand that not only are we forgiven, but we're cleansed. Of all unrighteousness. There's nothing wrong with us anymore. You know, you don't get a partial anything from God. I mean, he paid for the whole thing. And so once we understand that, then we will cease from doing works in order to gain favor with God. See, your works uh, flow from your faith, not the other way around. Faith does not come to you from works. Your faith comes to you by the faith in the finished work, faith that everything's been done, faith that there's nothing else you need to add to what Jesus did in order for God to bless your life. Now, we we obey God, but the power to obey him comes from him. So we're not doing anything except letting the process happen. Amen. When you trust God, you allow the process of of your faith and what it challenges you to do to take hold in your life. Sometimes your faith will tell you, nope, don't do it that way anymore. You're a new creature in Christ. you got to pray and trust God to bring that into your life. And so, and, and it gets tough sometimes. You know, it's only as tough as we make it, I think. After a while, you just learn, well, hey, I'm going to put this on cruise control. <laughs> And just let God steer me through life. Just wake me up when I get there, Lord. Amen. And so it can be that easy. But it can be challenging also because the enemy will come with different ideas. You know, you get to the fork in the road and you got two different, three different ways you can go. And so you have to keep on the straight and narrow because that's where God is. So we are justified by faith. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get peace with God. You can't get it any other way. And so he says, by whom we also have access by faith into his grace. Um, We have access. So when you believe, the door opens. Faith opens the door. That's access. Amen. So we have access through faith. So anytime you put your faith in God's word, it opens a door for you. Whether you see it open right then or not, that faith will open a door for you. It will give you access to what? To the grace of God. Amen. Which is not free cookies and milk and candy. 
but grace really is a enabling force. It's the power of God resident in your life to accomplish that which your faith wants to do. So your faith is set to accomplish. Your faith has taken you somewhere. Once you apply your faith, you get access to a door called grace. And inside grace is the power to walk that out and the power to carry that through. So they both have to work in your life. Amen. Many people have capitalized on faith, 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 faith. And they haven't, and they, it puts you into works after a while. You know, you, you think you're in faith and you start confessing the word and pretty soon you think, oh, I haven't done that enough. Well, you just stepped over into works. You need to go through that door and whatever you find the grace to do, that's what you do. Amen. Sometimes that grace might be just wait patiently for God. Sometimes it might be just sit up and chill and worship him. Amen. You need grace to worship God. Sinners don't want to worship him. They worship in the devil. <laughs> Amen. So his grace enables you to do everything that, that, that is commanded of him. There's grace to love people. There's grace to receive from people. There's grace to give. You got to be empowered to give. Amen. You really do. You know, I was thinking about something that I, God had me do recently and, and I struggled with it some. And I thought, God, here I'm as much as you Help me to be able to do these things when you tell me to do them. Here am I struggling with it again. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes it's just like that. You know, it's, it's like he says, listen, I blessed you. I've enabled you to do so many things. He said, and, and I need you to come through for me for this person. Got me? So that's grace. Amen. Once that came into my heart like that, it, the rest was easy. It was just, just obey girl. Come on now. You've done this so many times. And so it, it, but it's different every single time for some reason, you know? So he says, and, and, and he says, and, and you have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, hmm. knowing that tribulation works what? Mm-hmm. We're going to live out all the fruit of the Spirit, trust me. Sometimes we get the gimme so bad, gotta haves, gimme and gotta have, amen. In the thief, they cousin the thief, cause he could, he bogart heaven. Some of y'all would bogart heaven, break in and take everything if you could. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we just want the waiting over with. It's not so much we want stuff, but we want that. See, what's, what's missing is not the thing you're praying for. It's, it's the fruit of the spirit that causes your maturity to be assured while you're waiting. You got me? Patience gives you assurance while you're waiting. Amen. See, faith is now. Faith doesn't wait. Patience does. Amen. Faith grabs it in the now. Then patience is needed until the time where it's released to you in the natural. You got two components to everything you get from God. Faith is one realm where you receive. And then the natural realm is a second realm. So we got two releases that come with everything that God gives us. 
you believe you receive when you pray. So you receive it by faith, and faith is a spiritual component of your promise. Then it's the natural aspect of it that has to manifest after that. So God has to see you carry it and believe him for a season. Other than that, it would be magic. And then magically you could make things appear and disappear. All the married people say amen. Don't mess with me today. I'm not playing with y'all. Just confess something. If you could go bibbidi-bobbidi-boo on that brother sometimes, you he'd be a frog, he'd be a turkey, he'd be a dog, he'd be a out of here. He'd be missing. I had an FBI in there dusting your house and everything. Huh? Oh, yeah. Well, anyhow, I'm one honest person. My poor late husband, I saw him in a body bag so many different times. It's pathetic. (laughs) I'm thinking, how long could I hide something that big until, you know what I'm saying? What do I do with it? How do I get it out of here? I don't don't know. Anywho, but that's all I'm saying. Thank God it's by grace through faith. Amen. Thank God for faith. Because God knows how to get our faith to grow. So that when we receive it in the natural, we'll be happy for it. We'll be thinking about maintaining it. It won't be a chore to you to maintain the things that God gives us to possess. All of that he takes into account. Your stewardship, all of that. He takes into account, and he likes it when his children live by faith, when we live out of the fruit of the Spirit. Like you can have as much joy with something as you can do be without it. God loves that. He delights in that. You get happy about something before you get it. You definitely get it. Amen. You will definitely get it. So many times, you know, they told us the the story about uh, Harriet Tubman, uh, who who conducted slaves out of slavery, the Underground Railroad. And somebody, uh, after Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, somebody went and told her, and they said, well, all this work you've done, he said, they said, aren't you excited and happy? Oh, I rejoiced about that a long time ago. So her happy came before the government caught up with what God was doing. Amen. And so, and she was on to the next project. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's the way God wants us to live in the rejoicing of the promise of it before we see it in the natural realm. So your faith should be that real to you. Amen. It should be that real to you that it will cause a rejoicing in your spirit before it even shows up. So he says, knowing that tribulation works patience, patience works experience, and experience works hope. So you know God did it for you the last time, he'll do it for you again. And that hope needs to be there, amen? He says, and hope doesn't make you ashamed. The kind of hope that we get this this route, you won't be ashamed because what's going to happen? You're going to get what you hope for. Amen. You really will. So uh, a hope that makes you ashamed is something that's not tied to God's word. You know, you can hope for a lot of things. And if you don't pray, 
and receive them by faith in God and, and then <clears throat> allow God to cause it to, to come to you in the natural or manifest in the natural, uh, you can be ashamed of ever believing for what you believed in. Now, the enemy likes to do that. You know, you can believe God for everything except somebody who loves you and you can love back. Amen. Because people just want to, they, you know, it's like, oh, that'll never, it's always something the devil will put up there and tell you you can't have it. Amen. But you can have those things. What's wrong with you? Somebody can't love you and you can't love them. Amen. That's something that God plans for everybody if you want to tap into it. But the devil will either pervert it or he'll try and steal it from you, try to make you think it's not for you. You know, you think about it for a minute and then your mind will go like your head will drop and you walk away. Amen. Discouraged, disgusted, hopeless. Amen. When there's something out here for everybody. Amen. Somebody out here for everybody. God just has to reveal them to he can't do it if you don't ever believe him for that. Amen. So don't let your hope be put to shame. You say, God, I'm trusting you for that. And I am not ashamed of hoping for a good life for me or spouse for me or whatever it is, a little man in a a little box or something. (laughs) Brother, you roll him out on holidays and Christmas and stuff, whatever. I mean, whatever your heart's desire is, horny, he got it for you. So the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. So the shame, the, the, the shame is swallowed up in the love of God. Once you understand God loves you, it's like, I'm getting my man. Huh? I'm getting, huh, huh? God loves me. Amen? So that takes the, the, the shame out of the hope. Amen. That that washes the shame away from what you hope for. And you have a good understanding that God is going to bring you this. But you got to continue on with God. You know, you just can't put your promise out there. Don't ever feed it with the word. Don't ever worship God. Don't ever, you know, nothing comes to somebody who disconnects from God. This is for somebody who stays continually connected to him. It says, for when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely that strength refers to grace. Grace is what strengthens you to continue to obey God. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, peradventure, for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commends his love toward us in that while we were the worst we could ever be. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So his great love does not depend on our good works, our good behavior, our nothing. Because he plucked us up at our worst. Much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were, when we were enemies, we were reconciled. In other words, we were forgiven. The slate was wiped clean while we were enemies. You never loved God. You never did nothing for him. You were his staunch enemy. And he died for you and gave you this. If while we were reconciled by God, Through the death of his son, much more 
being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You got too much more in this guy's thinking. He said in verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we'll be saved. For if we were, when we were enemies were reconciled, much more being reconciled. So you got much more. You were given a free, uh, a freedom from the guilt and stain and in in of your sin and, and the weight that it carried, all of that. Your sins were blotted out. So there's a much more there. Cause you didn't do anything to earn any of that much more. And then he says, once you've gotten advantage of that much more, you get another much more. <laughs> you're reconciled by his blood now. And so you're 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 gonna get even more through this reconciliation that you ever dream possible. He says, if you, if God considered enough mercy, figured, considered you good enough to let his son die in your place while you were at your worst, now that he's cleaned you up, how much more now will he bless you with seeing you've been reconciled? See, you're cleansed. You're clean. There's nothing being held against you now. So he gave you his utter best while you were at your very worst. So why let the devil try to talk you out of receiving everything now that you receive the atonement? See, the, the atonement is what conquered sickness, death, sin, poverty, Everything that was against you living a good life. The atonement took care of that. Amen. You've been justified. Amen. So to atone means, and and he says here, let me finish this. And not only so, verse 11, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received. We have now received. Since you've been born again, you have now received the atonement. See, your average just so-called saint walking around doesn't understand this. People walk around worried about, is God going to do this? Is he going to... You're not worried because you know what you received. So once you know you received, oh, those sins, I don't, I don't owe nothing on that no more. Don't bring that bill up in here. Amen? Don't send that elsewhere. That don't have my name on it anymore. To atone really means to cover, to wipe out. Your sins have been wiped out. It means to appease. So there's, there's like a twofold, a two-pronged result on, on the blood of Jesus. Number one, it covered your sin. It wiped out your past. It wiped out your debt. And it appeased the Father on your behalf. So there's a, a two, two-pronged or two-edged advantage to the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. It satisfied everything that God needed to be satisfied that your debt was paid. So your debt's been paid off. So it appeased him. It put him at peace with you and it reconciled your account with God. 
The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen. So where you had a debt and you had death toward your account, you now have no debt. So God's looking for you to start putting some good stuff in your account. Amen. Because then he can start to bless you according to your faith and according to your obedience. See, the atonement really points to reconciliation. That reconciliation means that your ledger balances. Where you might have had some, you were in the red before you met Christ. Now you're in the black as far as your account is concerned. Well, at least you got a zero balance. And you can start adding to your account in God. Amen. Works of righteousness add to your account. Amen. They do. Um, we we are, are blessed according to our obedience in God. So to reconcile <clears throat> means to become, to bring together those separated by an act like disobedience or betrayal. So where we were disobedient to God. And maybe we might have known a little bit about God and walked away. We betrayed him. Then to be reconciled means that we are brought back together again. Amen. We can start flowing and growing as one again uh, after being separated. And so that separation came with our natural birth. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. But then in the due season, at the fullness of time, Christ came and he died for us. So now we're reconciled by the act of the atonement. So it says it means to bring together those separated by an act like disobedience or betrayal. Atonement also means satisfaction or reparation for a wrong or injury. So Jesus' blood made reparation. For our wrong and our injury. Amen. You hear that term thrown around now by political people. You don't hear it much because they're not serious about giving nobody nothing. You understand me? But but they want to make people think they are. But when God repairs, I thought to myself, well, what do they need man's reparations for? You got atonement. That blood will take care of anything you need. Amen. You can think somebody's going to bless you with something, but you get into the word and start seeing what God has laid up for you. It'll mess your head up compared to what the government can throw at you. Amen. I mean, not that it's wrong. It's good to want to help people when they have a need. But I'm saying you as a child of God, you don't need to to wait on on a man to do anything for you. Amen. Except obey God on your behalf. So it means to, to, um, to, um, a satisfaction or reparation for a wrong or injury to make amends. So Jesus' blood has satisfied the Father that our sins are paid for. We can go free. There's no charge against us anymore. All you gotta do is stay in a confessing mode. Yeah, you know what I mean by that? When you need something from God, you start searching yourself. God, listen, if there's any way, wayward way in me to show me or just go ahead and spit it out because you know what you did. Amen. You know, you've been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, that kind of stuff. But God's satisfied. It's amazing. He forgives and cleanses us no matter how long it takes us to twist our own arm to humble ourselves to God. Amen. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. So we have a satisfaction. God is satisfied. You don't owe anything. You beating yourself up about something you did is not causing God to show you any more blessing. Amen. You might as well just go ahead and take your blood bath, accept the atonement, say, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to pay for my sins anymore. I just thank you. Keep me on the right road. Help me, Holy Spirit, not to be a goof up, a mess up, and a cut up. Amen. And and just go ahead and keep living for God. Amen. Atonement is the way back to harmonious relationship with him. So the blood is always your way back. Amen. It was your way in. It's your way back. Amen. If we could appreciate the power of the blood to purge and to cleanse, to take away guilt, to give us a clear conscience and a pure heart where your heart is pure and your conscience matches up to that. You know, you ever had a heart that hungered after God, but your mind kept telling you you weren't worthy? I know I have. And, but see, with the atonement, they both match. So your, your conscience tells you, you're okay. Take yourself off the hit list, please. Nobody's looking for you anymore. Nobody's after you anymore. It's all good. Amen. And when you can get that from God and live that way continuously, then what people say about you has no effect on you whatsoever. Amen. They can call you all out of your name and accuse you of this, that, and the other. And you say, well, sweetheart, you know, I'm real sorry, but my sins are forgiven. I don't know what you're talking about that for. If it offends you that I'm forgiven, I can pray for you and God will forgive you too. Amen. You know, we need to learn how to live for God, folks. These people, you know, sometimes people stay away from you because they know you got a bullet ready for them. Your, your holster, your, your trigger need to stay loaded all the time. Amen. Locked and loaded, as they say. And ready to fire. Amen. That's what a lot of times people, you know, you want to talk to them and they keep agitating, moving away and agitating and moving away, waiting for you to lower something on them. I'm not here to, to harm you. Amen. So, amen. You know, sometimes we don't know when we blessed. The people stay away from you and you think, well, they just don't like me no more. And you get on Facebook posting about your haters again. I say, oh boy, here we go again. Huh? Nobody hating on you. It's called divine protection. It's called reconciliation. It's called the atonement. You've received the atonement. You're holy, set apart, sanctified. You're not in a place where they have access to you. If God put them off limits, he put them off limits. You know, you belong to him now. The Bible says also that Jesus is the propitiation. Amen. 
for our our sins. And a propitiation really means an appeasement of a deity to avoid divine retribution and allow divine favor. So the Father, because Jesus is our propitiation, that means the Father has received reconciliation and has put off punishment that should be given to us. He's canceled that. Amen? So it's to appease a deity that has the authority to levy punishment or remove it. So he's decided to remove it because of the atonement. Because we've received the atonement. Amen? And that means that you have a full conscious awareness of everything that was necessary, everything that you owed, and everything that was paid, and you understand that the bill is paid in full. you got to understand that. That's your job to understand that. Amen? And once you understand that, you understand that any retribution is canceled, and divine favor now is in your column. See, so when you go to God, all you go, you go into a place to receive divine favor. You're not there to, to wonder if he's, oh, I wonder if he, I wonder whether, I don't know what, that's not you. So stop it, okay? And don't let the devil start harassing you about what you did and wasn't right. Huh? And tell them, devil, you about to hear something else that ain't right because I'm about to cuss you out, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) But I will hurt your feelings by believing God. I know one thing, I ain't serving you no more. (laughs) I don't care how challenging it gets out here with the saints. You know, people, yeah, the saints don't do this and the saints don't do it. Well, what do you do? You sitting here judging everybody. What do you do? Amen. If you so good, why don't you get out here and do it right and show us something so we can learn something from you. Amen. Amen. So we have not been abandoned to a punisher. Amen. No more punishment, folks. That's off the table. Because divine retribution has been canceled and divine favor has been granted. Amen. So we don't get beat up for what we do wrong. Don't let yourself do that to you. Because you're abusing God's anointed. So cut it out. And just let the devil say what he wants to say. Let him stay over there. You stay over here where God is. And say, you can't get me with that no more. You used to make me feel bad and cry talking about how bad I was, but I don't listen to that no more. Amen. Amen. God has made me his righteous one. I'm an heir of all things. Amen. So Jesus' blood, you, you receive, he's the propitiation because he sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And it changed it from a judgment to a mercy seat the minute you were born again and received the atonement. Amen. So the, the, whether you, you look at God as a God of mercy or not, that's what's up there in heaven on your account. See, that's what's ministering over your life is nothing but mercy. 
There's no judgment. How can God judge something that's holy now? You've been made holy by his blood. You got the Holy Spirit living in you. And God's going to punish you and hurt you. He'll be punishing and hurting himself. He gave you the Holy Spirit to keep you holy. And to cause you to, and to empower you to do good works. So he's waiting on us to believe it so we can get up and do the good works. And quit sitting around woeing about everything and wondering. and I can't do this and I can't do that and I'm not this and I'm not that. And He's just waiting for us to shake ourselves from our nonsense and from our past and just get up and walk out of it. Amen. That's what you do. You get up and walk out of it. You just keep going. You don't stop going. Just get up and walk out of it. Amen. If you believe, you'll get up and walk out of it. Quit stewing about everything and wondering about everything. I wonder why this hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's because it's not because of anything. Just keep believing God and you'll see it happen. Amen. So that blood, the atoning blood, the propitiation, changed the seat in heaven from a seat of judgment to a mercy seat on behalf of those who believe. Amen. So it changed it from judgment to mercy. There, Because there was appeasement of God made by the blood of his son. If you believe faithfully in the blood of his son, then you have that mercy seat working on your behalf and who who hovers over the mercy seat the angels of god do and they're dispatched on your behalf amen angels always bring mercy to those who believe amen don't you ever dare be afraid of an angel ministering in your life thinking he's bringing some kind of judgment in fact people are quicker to believe angels are good than to believe god is good when you think about it (laughs) and they're working for him (laughs) so the atonement made us one with christ in matthew 16 you'll see the um uh benefits of the atonement and this is something that we had not had before uh before christ sorry about that matthew 16 verse Start in 13, it says, when Jesus came to the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? They said, some that you're John the Baptist, some Elijah, some others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. In other words, that's not something that your carnal ears are making up. He said, But the Father who is in heaven has revealed that to you. And I say unto you also that you are Peter, and upon this rock, in other words, talking about that nugget of revelation that he just spoke. In other words, upon the the revealing of the Father as Jesus as Savior, 
That's what he builds his church on. So it's not like Peter is the rock of the church and Peter's standing at the gate in heaven letting everybody in, keeping people out and all that kind of stuff. But he's talking about the foundation of the faith of the church and of all of the saints. And that foundation has to be that God the Father has revealed Jesus as Lord and Savior to us. And, and it's easy to have that happen. All you have to do is share Christ with somebody. I don't care if you tell them your testimony. I don't care if you demonstrate the healing power of God to them. I don't care how, if, if you, um, uh, uh, preach the gospel, just show them in the Bible how to be born again, whatever, however method it comes, the Father will reveal, once the truth is preached, the Father reveals Christ as Savior, Deliverer, their friend, their Lord, whatever. And so when Peter said, you you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, he must have said it with enough faith that Jesus knew that he had a revelation straight from heaven. See, this is what separates just religious churchgoers from the real church, the ecclesia, as people are fond of saying now, is that you have a real revelation of Christ. Now, some people get enough to get satisfied that their sins are forgiven, but the more you you meet Jesus in different situations in your life, the more you're given over to that knowledge of him and the more he's revealed to you see he gets revealed to us over and over and over again you know you're the christ the son of the living god well he's the son of god but that's as much as was revealed to him later on down the road people were peter would get to know him as the lord of his life the one who took him into the different cities he had to go to and preach the gospel. He would begin to understand and expound from the scriptures all the way from Abraham on who Christ was. And so that revelation will grow. As we grow with God, our revelation of him will grow and we'll be able to know him in many different areas of life. You may be healthy most of your life and not need to know him as healer, you know, but you have. You've been knowing him as healer. You just haven't had any overwhelming symptoms. But see, the more you you walk with God and the more situations you walk into, God begins to reveal his son to you more and more. Sometimes people have good jobs in the natural. They've really never had to know God as provider. But let something happen to one of those jobs. See, you get to meet him then as your provider. Before you've been going along with some, you know, okay, yeah, God is good. He's good, but I'm going to my job. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so you need a revelation of him as provider. Why do you need that? Because you're going to need to depend on him more and more and more. See, there will come a day where everybody has to retire from job. So you can't depend on your natural abilities to provide what only God can provide for you. See, I had to meet that when my husband passed away. I thought for sure I was trusting God for everything. <laughs> Amen. But it, it was tough going there for a while. It's a rocky road because I had to transfer my faith solidly over in God. You know, so it became a challenge for me. 
And But I thank God he showed me through it. He showed me how to transfer my faith over and really trust him and believe him. So it's amazing the things that God will do for us if we really put our confidence and our faith in him. But I did need to meet the Lord as my provider, as as my husband. Amen. As the one who can give me wisdom about spending. You know, where my husband used to try to, to show me wisdom, I would pretty much generally refuse it. You know, if that didn't work, I fell on the floor and foamed at the mouth like a... <laughs> I was going to say, don't make me go back there and get her and bring her back out again. Because you know I will go get her again if I need to. I haven't been crazy before. You know what I'm saying? I can go get her anytime I want to. So, you know, that's, that was usually how I handled discipline. You know what I'm saying? But, but, uh, I thank God that he, he, and, and there were a lot of things I, I'm just messing with y'all because I did learn a lot, uh, from my late husband, whether I wanted to, as like, you know, castor oil. Yeah, that's the way I took it. <laughs> Hold your nose and swallow. You know, learn how not to spend every penny. I did leave a penny. See what I'm saying? So, so you know, God had to get that out of me totally. You know what I'm saying? If I was going to survive, and so, and and He did. And so, there's. But I say that to say this: there's so much more of God to be revealed to us. I don't care how you well you live in this natural realm, and I don't care how well you're provided for. At this moment, there will come a moment where you'll need to know him in in a whole different light. And so God is constantly revealing himself to us and and showing us his great love. Amen. So in Matthew 16, 19, uh, where was I at? I started, okay, so Peter then begins to understand who Jesus is for real. And so... uh uh Jesus confirms that, yeah, the Father did show that to you. Amen. He says, and upon this revelation, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if the gates of hell are prevailing against a believer, there's a couple of answers <laughs> that's possible. The biggest blaring one is that you don't have a revelation of God the way you need to. Either or you're not applying it. See, many times we're accustomed to running from trouble instead of confronting it. We're accustomed to trying to hide from the devil. You know, oh, I ain't going to antagonize him. He pretty rough. Last time I tangled with him, man, I I really didn't like how I looked when I came out of that. Amen. You won't like the way you look when you're in it either. Amen. This ain't about pretty all the time. You know, most of the time it is, but it ain't about pretty all the time. You know, all these queens rushing up here with tiaras on their head, the devil be to knock that thing lopsided on your head. If you ain't in your word, amen, you crowned yourself and he will uncrown you. And he says, I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever you shall Bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. In other words, heaven backs us up. 
whatever you loose on earth is loosed on it. In other words, whatever you want, desire, and allow, God will allow. Whatever you dislike, don't allow, and don't want in your life, he will not allow it in your life. And so you have total authority now to work for on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. See, before we were working totally out of darkness. Whatever you allowed in your life wound up not to be a blessing for you. Amen. Somewhere, it might have looked okay for a minute, but somewhere down the road, it turned on you. Amen. But see, now we can let the kingdom of of heaven into our lives by the same method. What we want, desire, ask for, allow, is allowed. Whatever we don't allow is not allowed. So if you don't want sickness in your life, you take authority over that. and You begin to speak the word over your body. God, I thank you that I am healed. I thank you that I'm whole. I thank you that I'm lacking nothing, no good thing. That I have everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Amen. So you're allowing all of that that you have just spoken from his word into your life. And then, in, and then if, if something comes up that you don't want, you close the door on it. Just don't put your faith in it. Amen? Now, many times we struggle with things. Sometimes you hear bad news and you might consider it for a while. And, and, but at the end of the day, what did you go to sleep believing? What did you go to bed believing? Amen? Did you believe the report of the Lord? What did God promise you? What did he say was going to happen? What did he say was going to uh, turn about in your life? Amen. I was reading a story about a man that was had lived for 30 years on the streets. He was homeless for 30 years. A police officer uh, would, that worked the, the area that this man lived in would see him regularly and just struck up a conversation because he would have to make him leave, you know, if he was around somewhere too long where they're not, you know, they vagrants and all that. And, and so he just kind of like started to talk to him one day and he asked him something about his life. He found out the man had been a truck driver and he was in his early sixties now. And the cop figured, well, if you were a truck driver, you paid into social security, you sh- should have a check somewhere. <laughs> well, the man hadn't had ID in like 20 or 30 years. And he began to tell him his story. He found out the man had been adopted by a family and was kind of like ignored by his adoptive family. And that's why he was homeless finally. You know, it's nobody looking out for him. And uh, the long, the short story is that at the end of the day, the police officer was able to take him down to the uh, vital statistics, look up his birth mother, found out his birth mother's still alive. She's in her 80s. And she was saying, you know, they, I think what happened was she had an extra child or husband. She had to leave her husband because he wouldn't take care of her. And they, she came back to her parents. She had two small children, couldn't work, take care of them. And so she said she just allowed the baby to be adopted out, and that was him. And so he said the people took care of him, but they never loved him. And so he wound up a vagrant on the streets. And and this woman had held out hope for over 60 years that she'd be reunited with her son again. She said, I'd always believed that one day, I guess, she said, I just wanted to be able to see him and know how his life turned out. 
She said, I didn't worry about it a lot because I assumed he was doing okay because the people seemed to be nice people that adopted him. And so these are things that you can understand when you put your faith to work. Faith is very powerful to bring the desired result. It's very powerful. You know, and I am of the belief that that we can shorten the time of waiting through thanksgiving, through pressing in, through letting God know we really desire this, not sitting back and, and saying, well, it's probably okay and shrugging it off or whatever. But I'm telling you, once a prayer is offered in faith, God takes care to see to it that you get that which you believe for. He will do it. He will just do it. So, and we need to understand that. Amen. We need to understand that, that, that whatever we allow in our lives is allowed by heaven. Whatever we have faith for, you know, just bring it, bring it into my life. That's why it's always good to have a good confession about yourself. Always confess the word. Cause then you start allowing God's word to come to pass in your life. You start allowing strength to come in. You start allowing blessings to come, favor to come. Amen. Uh, the ability to work for God, let that come to you. Amen. Sometimes that's the last thing we think about because we let the enemy keep us so consumed in what we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, what we're going to wear. Amen. We we do much too much because it's taught in the church. How are you going to get away from wanting to be prosperous when that's all it's talked about? Or, you know, uh, oh, God's a good God. He's going to say, don't be depressed. Don't be hopeless. You can be, you know, come on, man. You don't know where I live. <laughs> you see where I live? You can't be just happy about that. You got to do some labor in the spirit to bring that happiness out of you. Come on now. You don't put it on. Get real. You dig for it. Sometimes your your joy is buried under all of your problems. And you don't get that lifted off of you until you get in the, the company of the saints into an atmosphere where where that can be made real to you. Amen? You just don't. You can't work it up yourself and put it on. You've got to have real relationship with God in order to feel comfortable letting that joy flow out of you, letting his peace settle in on you. Because many times we think if we continue worrying about something, that's good. It's a habit for many of us. We just can't let it go. You know, I don't care how many people tell you, just just let it go, let it go. How do I do that? You show me how. Amen. You know, you're going to have to dig a little bit sometimes to make these things real for you. But but God will get you there. So whatever you allow, God allows. He He backs you up in that. Amen? If you make up your mind nobody's going to rip you off, then nobody's going to rip you off. You make up your mind you're not going to shrug your shoulders when something negative happens. You know, I don't care if it's your finances, whatever it is. You know, I'm constantly calling back a sevenfold return, you know, just just so I don't let the devil have anything with whether it's my health, whether it's my finances. Amen. Uh, I don't care what it is. You call for the things that you want to see happen in your life, the things that are rightfully yours. Amen. 
You, you can do that because you've received the atonement. Amen. So we now have judicial authority to use the righteous, righteous judgment granted to us by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. So you have judicial authority. You can adjudicate your own life. You can say, devil, it ain't coming. Take it someplace else. It don't belong to me. Amen. And you can say, thank you, Lord, for bringing my right stuff to me. Amen. For blessing my life. Our sins are forgiven, blotted out, and we are one with Christ. So God sees us the way he sees his son now. Anything we want, that's how we can get what we want. It's not by our great faith and our wonderful Bible reading every day. Don't mess with me, okay? Amen. We have access to his life. What belongs to Christ? He's Lord of all. He has authority over everything. He, the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. He has all things that pertain to life and to godliness. So there's nothing that's off limits to us that's good for us. Amen. And there's a whole lot of stuff that's good for us we haven't had revealed yet. So we have access to his life through faith. So we are cleansed. We are purged. Our sins are purged. We are delivered out of darkness. That means that sin doesn't have dominion over you. And don't go dabbling in it. Amen. Don't go testing that out. Well, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go sit up in a bar for six hours to see if I'm sin free. Uh, you won't be so much. Amen. Don't be tempting God. Just take his word for it. Go testing nothing out. So we are one with Christ and have access to his life through faith. We said that we're cleansed. The God life loves righteousness and hates evil. Amen. So that's the life we are destined to live. The one that loves righteousness, hates evil. No matter how many times a man falls, he is not utterly cast down. God will pick him back up again. You notice I didn't say you got up on your own. God picks you up. See, anything you do good is by his power. Amen. It's by his grace. So he graces you to receive his hand to lift you up again. Amen. That's just the way it works. So this God life loves righteousness, hates evil. So the atonement really is a judicial decree. Do you accept it? In the court of God, we are blameless, faultless, and righteous. So we can put on Christ And put off doubt and fear. All the things that will keep you doubting God. And doubting your position in him. You put those things off. If you got a bad conscience about something. Tell God about it. And don't dwell on it. Amen. Dwelling on it will only make it more real to you. It will become a stumbling block to you. So let's put on Christ. Put off doubt and fear. And it is from this position that we judge sickness and all curses. Amen. So you judge. Bible says examine yourself. 
And that doesn't always mean if you, if there's anything wrong, yeah, you do that. But after that examination, then you judge yourself and say, I'm righteous and sin has no place in my life and sickness. You better leave here in Jesus name. You can't stay around here anymore. You go in the name of Jesus. So it's a judicial decree and you have to adjudicate your own case with your confession. Amen. Do you believe God or don't you? Do you believe that that you don't have to tolerate symptoms in your life, sickness in your life. So it's from this position that we judge ourselves according to the the uh, law of God. And are you under the curse or are you redeemed? That's the one thing you have to decide. Galatians 3.13 tells us that. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse in our place. It's written that cursed is every everyone that hangs upon a tree. So then the blessing of God can come to us through faith. You believe you're redeemed, you're redeemed. Amen. It, there's no power to levy sickness on you. There's no power to levy sin on you. There's no power. Amen. You know, sometimes you see people that I call, I say they kind of live a sloppy life. They don't. They don't try to resist the enemy. You know, just make excuses, drift around, do this. Well, I'm not doing it for that. Yes, you are. Amen. You know, if you're not doing it for that, quit doing it. (laughs) Yeah, prove it. Amen. Stop. (laughs) So, but, but uh, the Bible also says that if we confess our sins, amen, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when when you have received the atonement, you have full status, full status as a son or daughter of God. You're fully equipped for every good work, including resisting sickness, resisting poverty, resisting homelessness. Amen. Resisting um, uh, 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 unemployment, all of those things. You can resist those things and pick up the life God has for you. God, I'm sick of living uh, off a government check or a government subsistence. What do you have for me? I believe you have something better for me. I believe you have a real job. I believe you have whatever. I mean, I don't care what, what you think your reason is. I know I realize some people have some disabilities and some but you know what i i remember um seeing people uh, uh children with down syndrome starting to work at supermarkets you understand what i'm saying and and some of those children don't have enough control self-control behavior wise to you know really be manageable in a work situation but they get tried out in that. Amen. So you can even see God working there, bringing dignity into a person's life and, and bringing purpose back into the lives of people that we used to think weren't capable of doing much of anything. While you see able-bodied and normal, quote unquote, normal people blowing their brains out, taking drugs and drinking. What's normal about that? So now the wisdom of the wise is being confounded by the wisdom of God. That's the way I look at it. Amen. You know, the 
what's her name? Uh, Eunice Shriver, a, a Kennedy daughter. She's passed away now, but that's Maria Shriver's mother, um, the ex-first lady of California. She's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger. This woman, she was always, they, they called her, they said, oh, that's Eunice. She was that kind of person in the family. And she, they had a sister that was mentally uh, incapable of taking care of herself and she was institutionalized. And Eunice loved her sister. Um, but she, she must have made some kind of vow to God to help people like her sister because she was always trying you know, she set up foundations. They're wealthy people. She set up foundations. And, and then one day she's decided to invite about a dozen mentally challenged young people to their, their family property and just had a bunch of athletes out there, volunteers, teach them games and stuff like that. It started a special Olympics from that. That brings a lot of purpose, hope, and dignity to people. And from the Special Olympics, people began to look at people with Down syndrome and other other types of, of deficits. They start looking at them differently. Instead of hopeless, put them away somewhere, and they they can't do anything. Um, they they decided to up their expectation of people. It's amazing what faith and increased expectation will do. In the life of not, but whole masses of people. When, when Jack Hervorkian was doing this assisted suicide, which is murder thing up in Michigan, um, God had showed me that, that, that he would have to change people's perception of this man in order to get that removed. And, and he had showed me a vision of, I don't know if I told, I've told this before, but there was a train that was taking people through different, uh, through, through different cities to get them to places where they could be disposed of. Sister Suicide, Michigan was one of them. And the Lord told me, if you don't want this to happen up here, you better pray and stick with us until this man is, until I deal with him. And God did, you know that, but, but for, and, and, one of the ways God did it was he began to stir up people who had disabled children and adults living with them. And these people came and marched on the, the state capitol in Lansing in Michigan. And they just had all of their children, loved ones, and, and people out there saying, not me. Don't give them permission to murder me. And it moved people. And I think people in legislative places got an understanding. This is serious. And we're not going to let this, it's not going to happen here. Amen. And like right now, states like Oregon are, are there, but it, it fizzled out. I mean, God extinguished that thing because it was on its way to running right through this nation just like abortion. You understand what I'm saying? On its way to the Supreme Court. But when God set Jack Kravorkian down and had him convicted of murder, I think people started looking at that twice. You understand what I'm saying? But it was done through parents who were were forward-thinking enough to say, one day I may not be here to care for my child. He's going to outlive me. And what's going to happen to him? Nobody's going to take him and, and put him to death you know, injection or whatever, I don't care what it is, it's not going to happen here. 
and it was stopped. Amen. Because God wanted it stopped. Amen. He wanted it stopped. Glory to God. So <clears throat> in Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good. So when you have the atonement, you have the power to do good. Amen. You're anointed to do good. Your words, start with your words, amen, before you go laying hands on anybody, prophesying anybody, telling them what thus saith the Lord, start doing good. Now go clean somebody's house. Go wash somebody's dishes. Go take somebody to the supermarket. You understand what I'm saying? Go do good. You're anointed to do. Well, I don't think you need no anointing for that. Why haven't you done it before? If it's so easy, why haven't you done it before without expecting them to give you something? (laughs) Huh? Having that little funny bothered look and they say, well, let me give you some money for, stop it. Just go about doing good. Amen. They can call, really, they can call any of them stores now if they want to pay somebody to do that. When are we going to stand out as different? So everybody Jesus healed received appeasement, if just for a temporary basis from the Father, because he had not gone to the cross yet. But this temporary appeasement was granted. Why? Because he was slain from the foundation of the earth. So anybody who had confidence in Jesus being anointed to do good was able to receive it. Amen. But people often understood their lack of worthiness, but they did not let them that stop them from asking Jesus to heal. Amen. Thereby declaring his mercy. So the bottom line is the mercy of God is what we rely upon to make provision for us. Not our goodness. Even though we have received the atonement, we still are, are adjudicated over the mercy seat in heaven. Everything that comes to us comes over that mercy seat and our faith is needed so that, that in, if faith in the atonement is needed so that we can believe that we receive what we have when we pray. It's as good as done after you ask God for it because there's nothing to hinder you from receiving that promise from him because you've received the atonement. Amen. You've received that. It In Colossians 1 verse 20, I think it is. It says in, it, it says in verse 19, it pleased the father that in Jesus should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, I say, whether they be things in heaven or earth. And you who were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked thoughts, amen, and wicked works, yet now he's reconciled says you've been reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable 
in his sight. So you're reconciled through the death of flesh. So, and you let your flesh die too. Amen. So, so we're reconciled be, and, and that has great implications for how we live. Because if you're reconciled through him, through his death, and you're reconciled through your flesh, in other words, your flesh has no penalty to pay. That means sickness can't stay there. Poverty can't stay there. Lack can't stay there. Anything of the curse cannot stay in your flesh, in your mortal body, because you've been reconciled through the atonement. Amen? In other words, Jesus shed his blood and took a beating so that you don't have to take one. So there was an exchange made there. Father, I take the punishment for them and I exchange my flesh for their flesh. That's how you can claim health and healing. Because his flesh was damaged so that yours could be whole. So yours could be intact. So that yours could have nothing missing and nothing broken. Amen. No broken bones, no broken teeth, no blo- broken heart, no broken anything. That your flesh could be made whole. Amen. You know, people want to try and sound deep and tell me, yeah, yeah, and spiritual heals. No, you, you sick in your flesh, buddy. God knows what you need. He made provision for your flesh so that you don't have to make provision for it. You don't have to try and figure out how to get yourself well, how to get yourself healed. Just go to him and trust him that it's already done. Those who were afar off were brought near by the cross. In other words, you were sitting over there like an orphan. Nobody to care for you. Nobody to look out for you. Nobody even thinking about you. And Jesus said, come here. Come here. I got something for you. Come here. I'll take care of you. You're made nigh by the cross. His blood paid for you to come close to him and not be rejected by him because of your sin. Only thing, that's the only thing that's ever kept man from being close, being one with God. Amen. With sin. That's taken care of now. Past, present, and future sins. All taken care of. Amen. You can go to God with anything. When he sees you sitting over forlorn and, and feeling rejected and, and, and hurt and bruised and all that from the, from the, from life. <laughs> life will beat you up sometimes. Amen. He just says, come here. Come here. I got help for you. Don't worry about that. Come on over here and talk to me. Amen. Amen. He says, what is it that we want? Amen. What is it that we want? When Jesus saw Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, how are we doing over there, Cloretta Tyara? (gasps) Three minutes. What can I do in three minutes? Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. All right. Mark chapter 10. It's just a story. It's my last story about Bartimaeus who was blind. Amen. You would think Jesus would know, right? (laughs) But, uh, amen. <clears throat> Verse 46, they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho, Jericho was a cursed city, and it was hard to get people healed in that place. So as he emerges from there, his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, he must have been known, because they called him blind, and, and sat by the highway side begging, 
When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what we need to cry. Have mercy on me. Don't look at my behavior, good or bad. Have mercy on me in spite of all of that. And many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried all the more a great deal. And this is something that that we sometimes fall short on. Instead of crying all the more a great deal, we let our voice go silent. See, when it takes, when we, when the uh, thoughts of of uh, unworthiness hit our brain, and the thoughts of oh boy, it's going to take forever. Why is it taking so long? We should stop thinking like that and cry out, "No, wait a minute. What am I talking about, Jesus? I want my stuff now." Amen. I want my healing now. I want to get off pills now. I've been on them long enough. Jesus, I want my 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 uh, sickness to go away totally. Instead of getting a little bit better and feeling functional, I want it to go totally, Lord, in Jesus' name. And just cry all the more. And when you cry all the more, they that lets him know that you're willing to press through and not back down. And if he, and he knows that if he gives it to somebody who's willing to press through, the chances are much better that they'll hold on to it. He doesn't want you to have your healing in a feel better moment and then go back to feeling bad again. He wants us to continue to cry all the more. When it hits your mind to stop and be fatigued and boy, it's not going to happen today. Why not? Bartimaeus got his that day. Why? Because he kept pressing. He cried all the more. Amen. I think if we'll continue to cry all the more, a lot of things will leave our lives that we are just tolerating and putting up with. And well, I'm in faith. You know, I believe I received it when I prayed. You don't sound excited about it. You don't sound like somebody who just received a million bucks and more. Amen. (laughs) But Bartimaeus, when, and then after he cried all the more, Jesus stood still. That's what you want. Because when he stands still, virtue flows out of him. Amen. Amen. And they call the blind man saying to him, be of good comfort, rise. He's calling you. And he throwing away his garment rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Lord, I want my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. The throwing away of his garment was the first step. His, he verbalizing what he wanted was the last step. Jesus saw his faith had pressed through three different levels of resistance. Resistance level number one was the crowd telling him to shut up. Amen. You got a crowd of thoughts in your head telling you this confession stuff won't work. This faith stuff don't work. This faith is going to take a long time for this to work. So you might as well take a seat and tolerate amen but no you cry all the more amen even if you can put yourself on a god let me put myself on a cry all the more schedule on monday i'm going to cry all the more i'm going to do it at, at in the morning when i get up at noon when i have my lunch and at dinner time i'm going to cry three times a day and let that be my all the more amen 
instead of here and there, a little bit there when you think about it, when you get bored with your symptoms, when you remind yourself, amen, cry all the more. Put yourself on a cry all the more schedule. Jesus, have mercy on me. You see me down here. You see what I need. I need to be healed. I need all these symptoms to leave my body. I need to get off these pills. I'm crying all the more. Have mercy on me. You did it for Bartimaeus, and I know you'll do it for me. You haven't changed. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? And just make that our pattern. Amen? Crying all the more, even if you got to put little signs up. I know we did that before, but we're going to keep doing it (laughs) until we let it work for us. Amen? It's the cry all the more. Amen? Write it down in your benefits book. Amen. I'm going to cry all the more for my health. I'm going to cry all the more for my finances. I'm going to cry all the more for my children to have more than enough of everything in life and serve you first. Amen. Crying all the more for that and just allow God to begin to work. Amen. And he will do it. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us all things. You've given them to us already. Boy, we need to remind ourselves of that every day, don't we? (laughs) And Lord, I thank you that in reminding ourselves that we are free from disease, we're free from sickness, we're also free from poverty and the things of the curse. Father, I just ask you to open up people's hearts to receive the more. That there's always more. That we not be afraid to ask for more. And let that door of faith open up to us where we can receive the more. We've received the atonement and we thank you for that. And Father, that allows us to receive more. And we will not be afraid or ashamed to ask for the more and expect the more. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Okay, I do our confession. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona. And she can't get me. And I thank you, Father, that by the stripes of your son, Jesus, I am healed. Amen, amen, and amen. It is so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord.